Chapter Seventeen of the Chartreuse of Parma by Stendhal. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For further information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter Seventeen. The Count considered himself as already out of office let me see thought he to himself how many horses shall we be able to keep after my disgrace for that is what my retirement will be called the count reckoned up his fortune when he had entered the ministry he had possessed eighty thousand francs he now discovered to his great astonishment that his whole possessions did not amount to five hundred thousand francs that makes twenty thousand francs a year at the most he mused i really am a terrible blunder there is not a vulgar fellow at parma who does not believe that i have saved a hundred and fifty thousand francs a year and on that particular point the prince is more vulgar-minded than anybody else when they see me in poverty they will only say i am very clever about concealing my wealth by jove he exclaimed if i am in office for three months longer that fortune shall be doubled this idea suggested an excuse for writing to the duchess and he seized it eagerly but to gain forgiveness for writing at all in their present terms he filled his letter up with figures and calculations we shall only have twenty thousand francs a year he said to keep us all three at naples fabrizio you and i fabrizio and i will keep one saddle-horse between us the minister had only just sent his letter off when chief justice rossi was announced he received him with a haughtiness that bordered closely on impertinence how is this sir he cried you have a conspirator in whom i am interested carried off from bologna and you would fain cut off his head and all this without a word to me may i inquire if you know my successor's name is he to be general conti or yourself rassi was struck dumb he had too little social experience to be able to judge whether the count was speaking seriously or not he turned very red and mumbled some unintelligible words the count watched him and enjoyed his confusion all at once rassi gave himself a shake and exclaimed with perfect glibness just like figaro when he is caught red-handed by almaviva upon my word count i'll not mince matters with you what will you give me if i answer all your questions just as i would answer those of my confessor the cross of st paul the parmese order or if you can furnish me with a pretext for granting it to you i will give you money I would rather have the cross of st paul because that gives me noble rank what my dear sir you still have some regard for our poor advantages if i had been nobly born replied rassi with all the impudence of his trade the relations of the people whom i have hanged would hate me but they would not despise me well returned the count i will save you from their scorn do you enlighten my ignorance what do you intend to do with fabrizio indeed the prince is sorely puzzled he is very much afraid that tempted by armida's lovely eyes excuse this glowing language i use the sovereign's own words he is afraid that fascinated by those exquisite eyes of which he himself has felt the charm you may leave him in the lurch and you are the only man capable of managing this lombard business i will even tell you added rassi lowering his voice that you have a fine opportunity here quite worth the cross of st paul that you are giving me the prince would confer on you as a reward from the nation a fine property worth six hundred thousand francs which he would cut off his own domains 
or else a grant of three hundred thousand crowns on condition of your undertaking not to interfere about fabrizio del dongo or at all events only to mention the matter to him in public i expected something better than that said the count if i don't interfere about fabrizio i must quarrel with the duchess well that again is just what the prince says between ourselves the fact is that he is furiously angry with the duchess and he is afraid that to console yourself for your quarrel with that charming lady you may ask him now that your wife is dead to grant you the hand of his cousin princess isota she is not more than fifty years old he has guessed aright replied the count our master is the cleverest man in his own dominions never had the whimsical notion of marrying this elderly princess entered the count's head nothing could have been more uncongenial to a man with his mortal hatred of court ceremonial he began wrapping his snuff-box on the top of a little marble table close to his armchair rassi took his perplexed gesture to be the possible harbinger of a stroke of good fortune his eyes shone i beg of you count he cried if your excellency proposes to accept either the property worth six hundred thousand francs or the money grant not to choose anybody but myself to negotiate the matter for you i would undertake he added dropping his voice to get the money grant increased or even to add a considerable tract of forest to the landed property if your excellency would only condescend to impart a little gentleness and caution into your manner of speaking of the brat shut up yonder the landed property bestowed on you by the nation's gratitude might be turned into a duchy i tell your excellency again the prince at the present moment loathes the duchess but he is in a very great difficulty to such a point indeed that i have sometimes imagined there must be some secret matter which he does not dare to acknowledge to me at any rate there is a perfect gold mine for us both in the business for i can sell you his most private secrets and very easily too seeing i am looked on as your sworn enemy after all furious though he is with the duchess he believes as we all do that you are the only person in the world who can successfully carry through the secret arrangements about the milanese territory will your excellency give me leave to repeat the sovereign's expression word for word said rassi growing more eager often there are features in the mere positions of words which no paraphrase can render and you may see more in them than i do i give you full leave said the count who was still rapping the marble table absently with his gold snuff-box i give you full leave and i shall be grateful if you will give me an hereditary patent of nobility independently of the cross i shall be more than satisfied when i mention the idea of nobility to the prince he answers turn a rascal like you into a noble i should have to shut up shop the very next day not a soul in parma would ever seek for rank again to come back to the milanese business the prince said to me only three days ago that knave is the only man who can carry on the thread of our intrigues if i turn him away or if he follows the duchess i may as well give up all hope of one day seeing myself the liberal and adored ruler of all italy at these words the count breathed more freely fabrizio will not die said he to himself never before in the whole of his life had rassi been admitted to familiar conversation with the prime minister he was beside himself with delight he felt himself on the eve of bidding farewell to that cognomen of rassi which had become synonymous with everything that was mean and vile throughout the whole country the common people called all mad dogs rassi 
only quite lately soldiers had fought duels because the name had been applied to them by some of their comrades never a week passed that the unlucky name did not appear in some piece of low doggerel his son an innocent schoolboy of sixteen years of age dared not show himself in the cafes because of his name the scalding memory of all these delightful features of his position drove him to commit an imprudence i have a property said he to the count edging his seat close to the prime minister's armchair it is called riva i should like to be baron riva why not said the prime minister rassi quite lost his head well then count i will dare to be indiscreet i will venture to guess the object of your desire you aspire to the hand of the princess isota and that is a noble ambition once you are related to the prince you are safe from all disgrace you have a tight hold upon our friend i will not conceal from you that the idea of this marriage to princess isota is odious to him but if your business were in the hands of a skilful man well paid we need not despair of success i my dear baron should certainly despair i repudiate beforehand everything you may say in my name but on the day when that illustrious alliance at last crowns my earnest hopes and raises me to that mighty position in the state i will either give you three hundred thousand francs of my own or else i will advise the prince to show you some mark of favour which you yourself may prefer to that sum of money this conversation may seem a lengthy one to the reader yet we have suppressed more than half of it it lasted for another two hours rassi left the count's house half delirious with delight the count remained with great hopes of saving fabrizio and more determined than ever to resign he felt convinced it would be a good thing to renew his credit by the presence of such men as rassi and conti in power he dwelt with the keenest delight on a method of revenging himself on the prince which had just occurred to him he may drive the duchess out he exclaimed but by my soul he shall give up his hope of being constitutional king of lombardy the whole idea was a ridiculous fancy the prince though a clever man had dreamed over it till he had fallen desperately in love with it the count flew on wings of delight to retail this conversation with the chief justice to the duchess he found her door closed the porter hardly dared to tell him that he had received the order from his mistress's own lips sadly the count retraced his steps to the ministry the misfortune which had befallen him had quite wiped out the joy caused by his conversation with the prince's confidant too disheartened to do anything else he was wandering drearily up and down his picture gallery when a quarter of an hour later the following note was delivered to him since it is true dear and kind friend that we are now no more than friends you must only come to see me three times a week after a fortnight we will reduce these visits to which my heart still clings to two in the month if you desire to please me you will give publicity to this rupture of ours if you would bring back almost all the love i once felt for you you would choose another woman to be your friend as for me i intend to be very gay i propose to go out a great deal perhaps i shall even find some clever man who may help me to forget my sorrows as my friend indeed you will always hold the first place in my heart but i do not wish it to be said that my action has been dictated by your wisdom and above all things i wish it to be well known that i have lost all influence over your decisions in a word dear count believe that you will always be my dearest friend and never anything else i beg you will not nurse any thought of change 
this is the very end you may reckon on my unchanging regard the last words were too much for the count's courage he wrote an eloquent letter to the prince resigning all his posts and sent it to the duchess with the request that she would send it over to the palace in a few moments his resignation came back to him torn into four pieces and on one of the blank spaces on the paper the duchess had condescended to write no a thousand times no it would be difficult to describe the poor minister's despair she is right i admit it he reiterated over and over again my omission of the words unjust proceedings is a terrible misfortune it will end perhaps in fabrizio's death and that will involve my own it was with a sick weight at his heart that the count who would not appear at the palace without being sent for wrote out with his own hand the motu proprio which appointed rassi a knight of the order of st paul and conferred on him a title of hereditary nobility to this document the count added a report covering half a page which laid the state reasons rendering this step desirable before the prince it was a sort of melancholy pleasure to him to make fair copies of these two papers and send them to the duchess his brain was full of conjectures he strove to guess at the future line of conduct of the woman he loved she knows nothing about it herself he thought only one thing is certain that nothing in the world would induce her to relinquish the decision she has once expressed his misery was increased by the fact that he could not contrive to see that the duchess was in the wrong she conferred a favour on me when she loved me she loves me no longer because of a fault involuntary indeed but which may have horrible consequences i have no right to complain the next morning the count heard the duchess had begun to go into society again she had appeared the night before in all the houses that had been open to guests what would have become of him if he had met her in the same drawing-room how was he to speak to her the following day was terribly gloomy the general report was that fabrizio was to be put to death the whole town was stirred it was added that the prince out of regard to his high birth had condescended to give orders that his head should be cut off it is i who will have killed him thought the count i can never expect to see the duchess again in spite of this somewhat simple reasoning he could not refrain from calling at her house three times over it must be said that he went on foot so as to avoid comment in his despair he even dared to write to her he had sent twice for rassi but the chief justice had not appeared the rascal is playing me false said the count to himself the next morning three great pieces of news stirred the upper ranks and even the middle classes of parma fabrizio's execution was more than ever certain and a very curious thing in connection with this information was that the duchess did not seem overmuch distressed about her young lover at all events she took admirable advantage of the pallor resulting from a somewhat serious indisposition from which she had suffered just at the moment of fabrizio's arrest in these details the middle classes were sure they recognized the dried-up heart of a great court lady yet out of decency or as a sacrifice to the memory of young fabrizio she had broken with count mosca what immorality exclaimed the jansenists of parma but already the duchess and this was incredible seemed inclined to listen to the addresses of the handsomest young men about the court among other symptoms it was remarked that she had held a very merry conversation with the count baldi the raversi's lover 
and had rallied him greatly on his constant expeditions to Valdea. The lower middle class and the populace were furious about Fabrizio's death, which the worthy folk ascribed to Count Mosca's jealousy. Court society also devoted a great deal of attention to the Count, but only to mock at him. The third of the great pieces of intelligence to which we have referred was no other, indeed, than the Count's resignation. Everybody laughed at this absurd lover of fifty-six, who was sacrificing a magnificent position to the grief of seeing himself forsaken by a heartless woman, who, for a considerable time, had preferred a younger man to himself. The archbishop was the only man whose intelligence, or shall we say his heart, enabled him to guess that the count's honour forbade him to continue prime minister in a country the ruler of which was about to behead a young man who had been his protege, without even consulting him. The news of the count's resignation cured General Fabio Conti's gout, as we shall duly relate, when we speak of the manner in which Fabrizio was spending his time in the citadel while all the town was expecting to hear the hour fixed for his execution. The following day the Count saw Bruno, the trusty agent whom he had sent to Bologna. The Count was greatly moved when the man entered his study. The sight of him brought back the memory of his own happiness, the day he had dispatched him to Bologna at the request of the Duchess. Bruno had just arrived from Bologna, where he had found out nothing at all. He had not been able to discover Ludovico, whom the Podesta of Castelnuovo had detained in the prison of his village. "'I shall send you back to Bologna,' said the Count to Bruno. "'The Duchess will value the sad pleasure of knowing every detail of Fabrizio's misfortune. Apply to the officer commanding the gendarmes of Castelnuovo.' "'But no,' cried the Count, breaking off suddenly. "'You shall start instantly for Lombardy.' and there you shall distribute money and plenty of it to all our correspondents my object is to have reports of the most encouraging nature sent in by all those people bruno having thoroughly realized the object of his mission set to work to write out his letters of credit the count just as he was giving him his last instructions received a thoroughly deceitful letter but admirably expressed it might have been taken for a missive from one friend asking another to do him a service the friend who wrote this letter was none other than the prince he had heard some talk of resignation and besought his friend count mosca to continue at his post he begged him to do this in the name of friendship and the dangers threatening the country and as his master he commanded him he added that the king of so-and-so had just placed two ribbons of his order at his disposal he was keeping one for himself and sent the other to his dear friend count mosca Ah, this creature is my curse exclaimed the count in his fury and to bruno's amazement he thinks he can take me in with the very same hypocritical phrases we have so often strung together to catch some fool he declined the proffered order and in his reply wrote that the state of his health left him very little hope of being able to perform the arduous duties of his ministry much longer the count was frantic a moment afterward chief justice rassi was announced he treated him like a negro slave how now because i have made you a noble you grow insolent why did you not come yesterday to thank me as was your merest duty sir rascal rassi was far above such abuse the prince's behaviour to him every day was the same as that but he wanted to be a baron and he justified himself skilfully nothing was easier the prince kept me nailed to a writing-table the whole of yesterday i never could get out of the palace 
his highness sent me to copy a whole heap of diplomatic documents in my crabbed lawyer's handwriting so silly were they and so prolix that i really believe his sole object was to keep me prisoner when i was dismissed at last half starved at five o'clock he ordered me to go straight home and not to go out again the whole evening and as a matter of fact i saw one of his private spies whom i know well walking up and down my street till midnight this morning the moment i could i sent for a carriage in which i drove to the door of the cathedral i got out of the carriage very slowly and then i walked quickly across the church and here i am at this moment your excellency is the one man in the world i most passionately desire to please and i you rogue am not in the least taken in by any of your more or less well-concocted stories yesterday you refused to talk to me about fabrizio i respected your scruples and your oaths of secrecy though to such as you oaths are no more at the outside than useful pretexts to-day i will have the truth what are these absurd stories according to which this youth has been condemned to death for the murder of the man giletti no one can inform your excellency concerning these reports better than i seeing it is i myself who have put them about according to the sovereign's orders and now i come to think of it it was perhaps to prevent me from telling you of this incident that the prince kept me a prisoner yesterday the prince who does not think me a madman could not but be sure i would bring you my cross and beg you to fasten it to my buttonhole come down to facts exclaimed the minister and make me no speeches no doubt the prince would be very glad to have young del dongo sentenced to death but as you doubtless know all he has to go upon is a sentence to twenty years in chains which he himself commuted the very day after it was pronounced to twelve years in the fortress with fasting on bread and water every friday and certain other religious observances it is just because i knew the sentence was only one of imprisonment that the reports of his approaching execution current all over the town alarmed me i remembered count palanza's death which you juggled so cleverly that's when i ought to have had the cross exclaimed rassi not the least disconcerted i ought to have put on the screw while i held it in my hand and the man was anxious for the count's death i behaved like a simpleton then and that experience emboldens me to advise you not to do likewise now this comparison appeared most offensive to the count who had much ado to restrain himself from kicking rassi first of all the latter proceeded with all the logic of a jurisconsult and all the perfect assurance of a man whom no insult can offend first of all there can be no execution of the said del dongo the prince would not venture on it times are very much changed and then i who am now a nobleman and hope through you to become a baron i would not put my hand to it now it is only from me as your excellency knows that the chief executioner can get his orders and i swear to you that the cavaliere rassi will never give an order to hurt signor del dongo and you will do well said the count looking him over sternly let there be no confusion replied rassi with a smile my concern is only with an official demise and if monsignore del dongo should die of a colic you must not ascribe that to me the prince is mad why i know not against the san severina only three days previously rassi would have said the duchess but like everybody else in the city he was aware of her rupture with the prime minister the count was struck by the suppression of the title in such a mouth and my readers may conceive the pleasure he felt he flashed a look of the bitterest hatred at rassi 
my dearest angel said he in his heart the only way i can prove my love is by blindly obeying your command i will confess to you said he to the lawyer that i take no very passionate interest in the duchess's various whims nevertheless as it was she who introduced that good-for-nothing young fabrizio to me he would have done far better to have stayed at naples and never to have come here to throw all our affairs into confusion i am anxious he should not be put to death in my time and i am ready to give you my word that you shall be a baron within a week of the time when he gets out of prison in that case count i shall not be a baron till twelve years are out for the prince is furious and his hatred for the duchess is so intense that he endeavours to hide it his highness is more than good what need has he to conceal his hatred since his prime minister no longer extends his protection to the duchess only i will not give anyone the chance of accusing me of meanness or above all of jealousy it was i who brought the duchess to this country and if fabrizio dies in prison you will certainly not be a baron but you may possibly be stabbed but enough of this trifling i have reckoned up my fortune i find i have barely twenty thousand francs a year and i now propose humbly to send in my resignation to the sovereign i have some hope of being employed by the king of naples that great city will offer me recreations which i need just now and which are not to be found in a hole like parma the only thing that would induce me to remain would be if i were given the hand of the princess isotta etc and the conversation ran endlessly on this subject when rassi rose to go the count said to him with a very careless air you know it has been said that fabrizio deceived me in the sense that he had been one of the duchess's lovers i do not admit the truth of this report as a contradiction of it i wish you to hand this purse to fabrizio but count said rassi in alarm looking into the purse there is a huge sum here and the regulations to you my good fellow it may seem huge replied the count with an air of royal scorn when a man of your class sends ten sequins to a friend in prison he thinks he has ruined himself now i choose that fabrizio shall have these six thousand francs and especially i choose that nobody at the palace shall know anything about it when the startled rassi would have replied the count slammed the door impatiently behind him such men as he said he to himself never recognize power unless they see insolence this over the mighty minister indulged in a performance so absurd that we hardly know how to relate it hurrying over to his writing-table he took out a miniature of the duchess and covered it with passionate kisses forgive me dearest angel he exclaimed for not having thrown the rascal who ventured to speak of you with a tinge of familiarity out of the window with my own hands that if i show this excessive patience it is only out of obedience to your will and he will lose nothing by my delay after a long conversation with the portrait the count who felt his heart dead within his breast was struck with an absurd idea and proceeded with childish eagerness to put it into action he sent for a dress coat and decorations and betook himself to wait upon the elderly princess isota never in his life had he done such a thing except on new year's day he found her surrounded by a number of pet dogs dressed up in her fine clothes and even adorned with her diamonds as if she had been going to court when the count expressed some fear that he was disturbing her highness's plans as she was probably thinking of going out her highness responded that a princess of parma owed it to herself to be always in full dress 
for the first time since his misfortune had occurred the count felt a touch of amusement i did well to come here thought he to myself and i will avow my passion this very day the princess had been delighted at the visit of a man who was so famous for his wit and prime minister to boot the poor old lady was not accustomed to attentions of that kind the count opened with a skilful speech about the immense distance which must always part a mere nobleman from the members of a reigning family some distinction should be made said the princess the daughter of a king of france for instance never has any hope of succeeding to the throne but this is not the case with the parma family that is the reason why we of the farnese race must always keep up a certain external dignity even i poor princess as i am cannot say it is absolutely impossible that you may one day be my prime minister the whimsical unexpectedness of this remark made the poor count feel quite cheerful again for an instant as the minister emerged from princess isota's apartment she had blushed furiously when he had confessed his passion for her he met one of the quartermasters from the palace the prince had sent for him in a great hurry i am ill replied the minister delighted to have the chance of being rude to the prince ha ha he cried in a rage you drive me distracted and then you expect me to serve you but you shall learn my prince that in this century the mere fact of having received your authority from providence does not suffice you you must have great powers of mind and a noble character if you want to be a successful despot having dismissed the quartermaster who was highly scandalized by the sick man's appearance of perfect health the count was pleased to call on the two men about the court who had most influence with fabio conti what made the minister shudder and shook all his confidence was that the governor of the citadel was supposed to have got rid of a certain captain who had been his personal enemy by means of the aquetta di perugia for a week the count was aware the duchess had been spending immense sums of money to get into communication with the citadel but he did not think her likely to attain success everybody was too much on the alert as yet we will not weary our readers with all the distracted woman's attempts at bribery she was in despair and her efforts were seconded by agents of every kind and the most absolute devotion but there is just one kind of business that is thoroughly well done in a small despotic court and that is the watch kept over political prisoners the only result produced by the money the duchess laid out was that eight or ten men of every rank were dismissed from the citadel service End of chapter 17